she was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski, and listeners, today I am bringing you yet another controversial broad. Now, I'm sure if you listen regularly, you're going like, okay, Sarah, pretty much everybody we talk about on the podcast is controversial in the eyes of the patriarchy, and you are not wrong about that. (laughs) Many of the women we talk about are controversial. Um, But for the sake of this particular episode... I'll further define here what kind of controversy I'm talking about. I like to like, I want to tease you guys a little bit. So we're not talking controversial, like politically controversial, like Indira Gandhi. Uh, No, we're not talking about a freedom fighter who was framed and likely murdered by her own government, like Lucy Parsons was. No, we're not talking controversial, like... The patriarchy just hates her for scientifically proving that penetration is not the end-all be-all for women during sex, like our hero Sheer Height did. Uh, And no, we're not talking about controversial like Marian Anderson, who tore down race barriers with the sound of her beautiful voice. However, this broad and Marian do have something in common. They were both disrespected by the dar that's right the daughters of the american revolution passed on them both in the words of michelle tanner how wooed <laughs> okay have you guessed yet what controversy could possibly be left i've eliminated all those other ones and it's okay if you haven't because there's so much controversy woven throughout this whole podcast So I'll give you one last hint, which will be listing off a couple broads with matching controversy to this broad today. We've got Hua Mulan and Pele. And just two weeks ago, Agna Dike. So now you should probably have it if you listen regularly. Sybil Ludington's controversy is that the thing she is most famous for, her midnight ride, that was more than twice as long as Paul Revere's, let it be said here, may not have actually happened. Ah! I can hear your screams all the way over here, or at least feel them. (laughs) I know, I know. Another maybe, maybe not. And I also think I, I might hear you also say, did you say twice as long as Paul Revere's ride? To which I do reply to you, hell yes! Probably. (laughs) But before we dig into this controversy part of Sybil, let's talk about her epic story. Sybil Ludington, our broad today, is an American broad. And her story is, like Paul Revere's, a revolutionary war story. Sybil's name, by the way, has a bunch of different spellings. If you Google her, you'll see there's like five main spellings and then some other spellings out there and and none of them are wrong per se because they all come from 
like public paperwork and letters and things of the time period. Um, and one of the sources for the the name, uh, uh, her, the spelling of her name is like her own headstone, her own grave. Um, and, and this fact isn't really relevant to her story, but I, I never like to miss a good opportunity to highlight the importance of good reading and writing skills so that your graystone carver can get it right, you know, when the time comes. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to Sybil. Sybil is born on April 5th, 1761 in Fredericksburg, New York. She was the first of 12 children to Abigail and Henry Ludington, who was a gristmill owner. What the fuck is a gristmill? I think I heard you ask. And I asked the same thing because I had never heard that word before. A gristmill is a mill that grinds grain into flour. The more you know, the more you know. Hopefully I don't get in trouble for violating copyright. When I sing that all the time. Yeesh, I might be in trouble. Anyway, um, Sybil's dad had fought in the French and Indian War and also volunteered to head the local militia during the Revolutionary War. So at the time of Sybil's big story, her dad went by Colonel Henry Ludington. And Fredericksburg, where they live, is right up on the border with Connecticut, not too far from Danbury. I keep saying the word Danbury and all I can think of is... Danbury from Queen Charlotte, because I'm currently obsessed with that show. But that's not Danbury. It's Danbury, Connecticut is where we are. If you are one of those fine folks who are big war buffs and have read all of the histories and studied all the battles and the strategies of the Revolutionary War, this, my friends, this is April 26th, 1777. So we're two years into the Revolutionary War, or one year, one and a half years into the Revolutionary War. And this is the moment where the British invade Danbury, Connecticut, which was a big stronghold city for the revolutionaries. And the British armies burn it to the ground. And our dear 16-year-old Sybil, as she's watching Danbury burn, she gets onto her horse, named Star, and rides all night, bareback or side saddle, reports differ, and she rides 40 miles throughout the Hudson Valley countryside, rallying her dad's troops to battle. Some accounts even say that she emitted a, quote, high-pitched feminine halloo. A poem written long after her death said that her call was, quote, up, up there, soldier, you're needed, come, the British are marching. And then the drum of her horse's feet as she rode apace to bring more men to the meeting place. End poem. Um, and her ride is a brilliant success. The troops are gathered. Remember, these are, uh, I should like refresh our memories. Uh, these are militiamen. So they're not like getting paid a salary to be in the army like, people are mostly today. They're militiamen. So they only pick up arms when they're called. And so Sybil's message, pulling the troops together, um, she is literally bringing the men in from all of their little towns. And all of these troops that are gathered together from Sybil and otherwise, because obviously the, the generals called their troops as well, uh, they are all being led by General Israel Putnam. And they meet the Brits the next morning at Ridgefield, Connecticut. And this battle is semi-famous 
for amongst several things, it was the the battle where General Worcester was killed, uh, and General Benedict Arnold had his horse shot out from under him in this battle. And uh, Arnold, if you recall, he would later turn treason and betray the revolutionaries. But at this point in time, he's still fighting with the revolutionaries. Um, so that is what, this is like this moment in history, Ridgefield, right? Um, and at the end of the fight at Ridgefield, um, the revolutionaries do prevail and the British have far greater casualties and they continue to kind of retreat towards the Atlantic. Um, so before I circle back to the question marks and controversy in Sybil's story, let's just talk one more minute about Paul Revere's ride. Sybil, we just said, rode 40 miles through the countryside. Paul Revere? How many did he ride? That dude only rode approximately 12.5. 12.5 miles. Which for me really seals the like epicness of Sybil's story that she rode three times, not just not twice as long, over three times as long as Paul did. Um, I should, by the way, before we move on, complete Sybil's story for you so you don't feel incomplete about her. Um, The rest of her life is a little bit heartbreaking. Um, She ends up marrying a guy named Edmund Ogden in 1786. She was 23. It's always a relief to read not child bride stories. Um, And they would go on to have a son named Henry in 1786 and would eventually move to Catskill. But then Edmund dies of yellow fever in 1799. And Edmund dying makes Sybil's life really fucking hard. Um, She more or less lives the rest of her life in poverty. She's working, one source said, as like an innkeeper in Catskill. Um... At one point, she applies for government assistance, since Edmund had also served in the Revolutionary War, uh, but her application was denied because even though he had indeed served, she did not possess a marriage certificate. She didn't have their marriage certificate. I don't know if it was lost or if they never had it. It it wasn't clear to me in the research. Um, Another mind-boggling example of how the government can really screw vets over, right? Um... Anyway, in 1811, Sybil moves to Unadilla, or Unadilla? I don't know how to pronounce that. New York, still in New York. And she would stay there until her death, uh, February 26th, 1839. And she would be 77 years old when she passed. Um, The brighter note in her story, and the end of her story, is that her son Henry was able to break the poverty cycle. He grew up to become a pretty prominent lawyer and was even elected to the New York State Assembly in 1819. But now for the controversy of Sybil's story. Historians have widely varied opinions on whether or not Sybil's ride took place at all. Sybil did exist. We know for sure that she existed. Her dad existed and fought, was a militiaman, was at the Battle of Ridgefield. Um, there's records of all of that. But Sybil's story, her, her midnight ride story, went entirely untold publicly until about 100 years after it happened. And here's an interesting fact that I discovered in my research on Sybil, is that this happens to be true of many of the most famous Revolutionary War stories we grew up hearing, including our own broad Betsy Ross's design of the American flag and Paul Revere's ride. 
those stories and others as well were not widely known, uh, like right after the war, like right after they happened. But as the, the Americans approached the centennial anniversary of the, the Revolutionary War, 100 years after the Revolutionary War, there were all these events and newspaper articles and celebrations and in kind of all of this kind of like, um, what you call it, it all of this, this um, patriotic spirit kind of brought forth all of these stories and they these stories came forward and they flourished out of that time period um i did not know that uh, maybe you knew that i did not know that um that the stories were told so much later a hundred years later but anyway as sybil's legend grew her story was repeated over and over and it grew to legendary proportions in fact the poem i quoted earlier it wasn't written in the 1700s or even the 1800s, it was written in the 1940s. Um, that's like, that's much later after it happened, right? And she's still this like icon now that people write about. Um, of course, as history plots forward, we do have some actual documentation that does emerge. Um, there's a historian named Vincent DeKino in Mahapak, New York. Um, he has written four that's right, four Ludington books, including one called Patriot Hero of the Hudson Valley, which was published in 2019. Um, and in his research, all of the research, he's I think he's like the resident expert on the Ludingtons, it sounds like. But in all his research, he discovered a huge trove of documents by and about the Ludington family. Uh, and in them, there is a letter written in 1854 by Sybil's nephew, Charles H. Ludington. And in the letter, he is asking that his Aunt Sybil be recognized at an upcoming ceremony for revolutionary heroes. Quote, my Aunt Sybil rode on horseback in the dead of night through a country infested with cowboys and skinners to inform General Putnam, end quote. And to date, this specific letter is the earliest known account of Sybil's ride. Now, prior to the discovery of all these letters, uh, Sybil's story first appeared uh, in, in, it was in a history book in 1880. So that's smack in the middle of that centennial celebration time. But the book itself cited no sources whatsoever. It just kind of appears. It almost sounds like it appeared like a fable. Um... And perhaps most baffling of all is that Sybil herself never mentions the ride in any of her own documents and correspondence. One historian noted that when Sybil attempted to get the pension, quote, the, or uh, when she attempted to get the pension, her husband's pension, some money from the government, um, quote, none of the sworn affidavits attesting to Henry Ogden's military service and the legitimacy of Sybil's marriage mentioned her ride nor did she attempt to claim it as justification for a pension, end quote. So she, this huge thing she did, she didn't even like try to get credit for it or use it like when she was most desperate and really needed money and was trying to make a case to the government, she didn't even mention it. Um, and the, this lack of mention by Sybil herself is perhaps the biggest reason that historians think the ride might not have occurred. Um, and that Paul Revere remains our lengthy victor for Midnight Revolutionary Rides. But nevertheless, the legend of Sybil lives on. 
Uh, I actually first saw her name when, and I'm sure you're going to guess it, regular listeners, Estella, I know you're going to guess it. I first saw her name when a meme flashed across my feed with a fancy photo. And it's a, it's a photo of a statue with this teeny little girl on a giant muscly horse. And she's waving an American flag and screaming. That's what caught my attention. Just like last week. Like, this was recent. Um, to really bring the whole episode here full circle, I should also say um, the questionable midnight ride factor is also the reason that the Dar snubbed Sybil and never recognized her as a war heroine. Um, they said, quote, it's a great story, but there is no way to know whether or not it is true, end quote. However, I did see that there is a little bit of tea on the Dar in this story. Apparently, even though the larger organized Dar as, a, as an entity snubbed Sybil, the Dar chapter near her home, uh, where you know where she lived, Fredericksburg, says that her exploit was documented, and it continues to honor her. In the words of one historian, quote, The story of the lone teenage girl writing for freedom, it seems, is simply too good not to be believed. To learn more about Sybil Luddington, see pictures and statues of her, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page and read more about me, my bio, photo, links to all my stuff is there. Are you following Broads You Should Know on social media yet? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you are a fan of Broads You Should Know, then you should help spread the word about us. Share this episode with your friends and family or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed Sybil Luddington's story, then I suggest you check out a few of our other revolutionary broads that we've covered on this podcast. You can check out Betsy Ross, who supposedly designed the American flag. We have Policarpa La Pola Salavarieta, a Colombian revolutionary. We've got Ryu Kwon Soon, the Korean activist and revolutionary. We've got La Adelita Las Soldaderas, the broads of the Mexican Revolution. And then we also, of course, have Frida Kahlo, another Mexican revolutionary. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know. <laughs>